The Sacramento Kings losing streak has reached five games for the first time this season, which seems a little bit hard to believe. The Kings fall at home or swept on the season by a young Cleveland Cavaliers team that joins the list of teams that have leapfrogged the Kings in their rebuild timeline. De'Aaron Fox had a chance to win the game despite having an overall rough offensive game. He missed the shot. Should that shot have gone to Tyrese Halliburton, who had a really strong second half? We'll talk about that. Namias Keda got big minutes, played very, very well. And other Kings rookie Davion Mitchell, through no real fault of his own, has kind of just faded into the background and really become a non-factor for the Kings this season. We'll discuss it all on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. <laughs> You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all off season. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game -game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of your Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento Sports Media member for the last seven years. This is my eighth season covering the team, formerly for Sacramento Sports Talk Radio, now with ABC 10 News and Television here in the California capital. And even if it's a loss, it's a much easier loss to talk about uh, the Kings falling by one point of the Cleveland Cavaliers at home. Much easier to talk about that uh, than it was to talk about the pitiful, pathetic effort that the Kings had uh, in Portland against the Trailblazers last night. But in the end, a loss is still a loss. And now the Kings are 11 games under 500. Like I said in the introduction, this is their first five game losing streak of the season. They've had three four-game losing streaks, this being the, the the first five, and that's a little surprising to me. All things considered, like with, with how bad this season has seemed to go at times, you would think that they would have reached that, that five-game losing streak at some point already uh, this year, especially for being 11 games under 500. But uh, nope, this is the first time that they've lost five straight. Not that that's a milestone worth celebrating by any means. Of course, the Kings last year lost uh, nine straight two different times, and they're on their way to that. And it could very well be six straight uh, as the Kings will uh, host the Los Angeles Lakers on Wednesday. Then again, after the Lakers, they have back-to-back -back meetings against the Houston Rockets. So maybe that'll be a good place to potentially turn things around and, and get some notches back in the wind column. But that's in the future. Let's talk about what's going on with this Kings team right now. Let's talk about how this game ended. And it was another one of those games where, truth be told, it was just kind of hard to care. It was hard to get up for. Uh, the first half was relatively boring to say the least. I wasn't very impressed at all with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Certainly wasn't impressed uh, with the Sacramento Kings. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the Cavaliers, how I was unimpressed by them, but still at the same time, you have to give them credit for now being 23 and 18 on the season. And they are a team that has rebuilt and turned things around quicker uh, than the Sacramento Kings have. And uh, they deserve a lot of credit Um for that in the second half though uh the kings finally got going they had their first 30 point quarter in like two or three games 
something like that uh, in, in the uh, the third quarter, just barely got it out, scoring the Cavs 30-22 to in the third, uh, and then nearly did enough in the fourth quarter, outscoring the Cavs 29-25 to to put this game away, uh, losing by 1.109 to 108 the final. Uh, and everybody's going to look at two things in particular. Number one is uh, Nemias Keita was issued a technical foul uh, in the fourth quarter during a timeout after a uh, blown Kings rotation. It was a second chance opportunity. Lowry Markinen uh, hit a wing three to tie the game up. I think at like either 95 or 98 at that point. Uh, and uh, the Kings call a timeout and Metu um, in frustration after the blown assignment uh, picks up the ball and, and throws it against the, the base or the support uh, of the basket in frustration. He's issued a technical foul for that, which I think is silly, even though by the letter of the law, it is a technical foul. I think it's ridiculous. He didn't throw it at anybody. He didn't direct it at anybody. It wasn't directed at the officials. Um, it wasn't thrown into the crowd. Uh, he was very close to the basket itself. It did, of course, come off the basket with a little bit of uh a little bit of pace and it bounced to like center court or something like that, but it wasn't malicious by any means. And it, it just had nothing to do with the game. It was during a timeout. Um, so I think it was a, kind of a silly technical foul, uh, but in the end, that's a point right there that ended up being the difference in this game. Now, of course, no one's going to point at Chemezi Metu and say, hey, you're the reason why the Kings lost this game. If you didn't get, give away that point and make that mistake, this game would have gone to overtime. Uh, that kind of thinking is silly, uh, but when you lose by one point, you, you start dissecting any points that the Kings didn't have to give up. Uh, and technical fouls and technical free throws usually jump to the top of the list. Now, at the same time, too, defensively, uh, the Kings could have done much better at times. Um, I thought, as a whole, it wasn't a horrible defensive performance, although I will say that the the Kings blowing um, fourth-quarter defensive assignments and rotations that they were pretty solid on for the majority of the game seems to be a little bit of a theme with this team when the intensity picks up as the Kings work their way back into the game and they need to get a stop, they make different mistakes. And what I mean by that is normally the Kings just sometimes make poor effort decisions or uh, just the rotations aren't there uh, or silly fouls or, or things like that. When the intensity picks up, like we saw in the fourth quarter of this game and the Kings need to create a stop or two to continue the momentum, build a lead or, or ultimately close a gap, the intensity does get better. The Kings play harder defensively, but the communication drops off and that ends up leading to uh, silly over rotations or not rotating quick enough, which oftentimes results in, in far too many easy baskets in the paint. And that was the case uh, during the fourth quarter uh, as the, uh, the the Cavs at one point after the Kings took their lead off of uh, Tyrese Halliburton made three, I believe. The Cavs got like three straight buckets in the paint went on an eight Oh run to retake the lead. Like that's when you need to get stops to really try and put that game away at home. Kings were not able to do that, but in the end, this came down to one shot. The Kings had a chance to win this game. 11 seconds on the game clock, uh, inbounding the ball at half court, plenty of time to set things up and they result uh, in a, uh, a isolation mid range uh, jumper for De'Aaron Fox. Fox misses the shot. Kings obviously lose. And I find myself frustrated with two things in particular about that. Number one is you have 11 seconds on the shot clock. You had more than enough time to set up a play. I don't believe, even if it's a good shot for De'Aaron Fox, is a shot that's in his wheelhouse, a shot that he's made a lot so far this season. I don't believe that... During that timeout, the Kings called Gentry, brought everybody together, bothered pulling out a clipboard just to say, 
Someone pass the ball to Fox and De'Aaron. You go isolation. Everybody else stand and get out of his way and let him win the game. And I know isolation hero ball is extremely common in the NBA in game-winning scenarios, but it absolutely drives me crazy, especially for a team like the Sacramento Kings who don't have that mega superstar who's known for those big shots. Now, Fox in his career has been clutch in moments like that. He's hit shots like that a handful of times before uh, in his career. So I'm not mad necessarily at the shot. I'm not mad that Fox missed the shot. I'm mad that that was what the Kings ended up getting or what the Kings pretty much I felt I felt settled for when they had a lot of time left on the game clock to set things up. That's the first problem I had. The second problem I had is that it was Fox that took that game winner, not Tyrese Halliburton. Now, I know Fox is a star on this team. Like I just said, he's hit shots like that before. He's been the, the clutch guy before. He is your go-to guy. But sometimes you have to change things based off of the flow of the game and what's been happening. And De'Aaron Fox finished with 12 points. Like, he was having an overall rough and pretty unimpactful offensive game. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that he wasn't the right guy to take that shot at the end. But Tyrese Halliburton, who finished with a, a team high, uh, in fact, a game high 21 points for the Sacramento Kings. He went eight of 16. He's shooting 50% from the field. A lot of those buckets came in the fourth quarter. In the second half, Tyrese did very, very well. He started taking over that game along with uh, Buddy Heald uh, in the third and fourth quarters to really get the Kings a little bit of a spark and get them back into it. I feel that that should have been Tyrese Halliburton's shot. I don't think it is a indictment at all on De'Aaron Fox or it's saying, wow, the Kings trust Tyrese Halliburton more than De'Aaron Fox or, or anything like that to give Halley that shot, to give him that moment, to give him that opportunity because he was the better, hotter hand that night. Instead, you decided to, like I said, go with an, an isolation look for De'Aaron Fox to where Tyrese stood off to the side and, and was not involved in the play at all. If anything at least have high, uh, Halliburton running off of some sort of screen, give him some sort of action, let him do something so that Fox can get the ball to him if needed. But when you settle for a, a clear-out isolation shot, th there's only one thing that's going to happen. It's, it's relatively easy to defend with the exception of you have to stay in front of De'Aaron Fox, which I think it was Darius Garland who was on him. He did a good job. He shut Fox down there at the end. I'm not 100% sure if it was Garland, whoever it was. He stayed in front of Fox, forced Fox into a pretty difficult shot, and the Cavs ended up winning the game. So I personally think that shot should have been Tyrese Halliburton's. I'm curious how you feel uh, on that. Majority of the time, I want Fox shooting the ball there. Majority of the time, I'm 100% okay. I shouldn't say majority of the time. I Majority of the time, I'm okay with Fox taking that shot, being that guy in that moment. He's paid like it. He is the best player on this Kings team. But for this game, for this instance, with how Halliburton was playing, I think that, that the Kings would have had a higher chance to win if that was Halliburton's shot. Or at least they would have had a higher chance to win with De'Aaron taking a game winner that was off of a play and not just an isolation set. But let me know how you feel about that. You can reach me on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack. Email me MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. Uh, or feel free to uh, leave your thoughts down in the YouTube comment section down below. Want to talk about Namias Keda again? Uh, really, really quickly, 
Kata got 24 minutes in this game. He scored his first NBA bucket, finished with uh, 11 points and five rebounds. Now for a, a seven footer, that rebound number needs to be higher if you're playing 24 minutes. Although I know he's, he's a little skinny, he's a little undersized and he was taken away from the basket at times as well. Plus he was battling uh, with very athletic bigs uh, like Jared Allen, uh, he had to deal with Evan Mobley. He also had to deal at times, but not really, with Kevin Love, who pulls you away from the basket. Um, overall, I thought Cato played hard, loved his energy. The reason why he got as many minutes as he did, uh, because not only are um, Rashawn Holmes and um, Damian Jones out in, in health and safety protocols, Tristan Thompson was a late scratch in this game. Now, he's not in health and safety protocols. He was in street clothes on the bench. I, I don't honestly know the reason why he was pulled. I missed that. Uh, but regardless, Kata played really, really well, backing up for Alex Len, who once again got the start at center for the Kings. Uh, and I like what I saw out of Kata. Now, I usually am more hesitant. I know a lot of Kings fans kind of jump the gun when they see a, a young player get opportunity and instantly want him to have more opportunity like that and more significant minutes like that over a veteran like Tristan Thompson or Alex Len or, or insert big man here. But... I do think that there is an argument for Kata getting more minutes or getting a chunk of Tristan Thompson's minutes. Like I like Tristan Thompson probably more than most Kings fans do. I also recognize that Thompson really hasn't been that effective at all for this Kings team. He hasn't really added anything to this team, at least on the floor consistently. He does have good moments, but they're few and far between at times. Like you're a team that's struggling. You're obviously losing. You're not or 10 or 11 games under 500. Like give your, your second round pick an opportunity, especially if he's going to come in being as be as impactful as he was. And most importantly on both ends of the floor, play as hard as he did. Like I, I appreciate how Kata played. He made the most of his opportunity and I think he's earned more minutes going forward, but uh, it was a very strong performance for Kata. I thought uh, Chimezi Metu had a nice game, uh, went three of six from three point range, finished with 13 points, Buddy healed had a rough first half. Third quarter was pretty solid. Went five of eight from three point range. I'm hundred percent. Okay. With him taking around eight threes a game, actually really like that number for him. Uh, he had a very effective 19 off of the bench. He was the reason or one of the big reasons why the Kings had a chance to win that game. So you got to give credit where credit was due. Um, but in the end, of course, the Kings fall short. Davion Mitchell. Davion got uh, 22 minutes in this game. And like, unfortunately, far many times this season, he was relatively ineffective, especially in the box score. Now he did do some things good defensively that don't show up in the box score. And overall, just... it. it he was there, but not noticeable. And that's something that's kind of been the best way to describe his rookie season for the most part so far. I'll go into that in more detail. Plus, I want to talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers really leapfrogging the Kings uh, in their rebuild timeline. We'll get to all that in just a second. Right now, though, I want to let you know that uh, Built Bar is here to help you with your New Year's resolutions, especially if those resolutions involve uh, eating healthier, uh, maybe putting on some uh, some muscle uh, and and helping yourself lose weight, getting in shape. Built Bar helps all of these and then some. Built Bars are protein bars that taste like candy bars. If you need uh, that extra energy, you need that extra boost, uh, you need that thing to help uh, fill you up after a workout, get you through a day, or maybe you just have a sweet tooth, but you want to eat something that you're not going to regret, Built Bar is there for you. Protein bar that tastes like a candy bar covered in 100% chocolate 
so many different flavors for you to choose from. I guarantee you, you will find at least one bar, but more than likely a handful of bars uh, that you like, a handful of flavors that you like. And most built bars can contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs, and only 17 grams of protein compared to candy bars who uh, have around 240 calories and 30 grams of sugar. Built bars are amazing and they are extremely affordable. Not only do they have good prices to begin with when you order because uh, of their uh, relationship with Locked On Podcast Network and because of being a, a loyal Locked On Kings listener, all you have to do is use promo code LOCKED15 when you uh, check out at built.com. You'll get 15% off of your order right then and there, no questions asked. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Davion Mitchell has had some good moments over the course of the season. He's also had a, a few games where he scored close to or over 20 points where offensively we've seen the potential uh, that he has, whether he's hitting outside shots, setting up opportunities for his teammates. Uh, and periodically he'll provide you a little bit of a spark on the offensive end uh, that this team quite honestly has failed to, I think, take advantage of. On the defensive end, we know that's where Mitchell is at his best. We know that's what the Kings really drafted him for. And even on nights like tonight where he wasn't all that noticeable, if you are paying attention to what he's doing, he still is a solid, reliable, on-ball defensive presence uh, that this Kings team really lacks from others at Mitchell's position. That being said, for a ninth overall pick, with the expectations or the hopes that the Kings had for Davion Mitchell, how impactful he could be, especially defensively, for this team this season. Mitchell's kind of been a disappointment, and he's kind of faded into the background. Now, to be honest with you, I don't think that Davion Mitchell is doing anything wrong. Like, I can't point to anything Davion Mitchell is doing and saying, man, he's really behind there, or he's really struggling there, or he's failing there. I mean, obviously, offense could get better. Some defensive things can get better. He's still learning the game. Like, there's there's different things about being a rookie, but when I watch Davion Mitchell play, I don't cringe at anything. I don't go, man, Davion, you're forcing things there. That was just a bad decision. Like, things happen from time to time, but that's, that's not who Davion is. He's not a consistent... Um, he, he doesn't consistently screw up or, or, or have those uh, those brain farts or those bad moments. He just is a solid defensive player who gets lost playing for a bad defensive team. And I'll be honest with you, like I had high hopes, high expectations for Davion Mitchell with how he could impact the team defensively. I remember having a lot of conversations with a lot of people and, and talking a lot here on Locked on Kings about how uh, the way he plays on the defensive end, how that was going to be maybe contagious and others were going to want to match his intensity defensively. And we've seen moments like that. Remember the Kings home opener with how well he played defensively against uh, Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz and how his teammates wanted to kind of match that energy. We've seen bits and pieces of that but for the most part, that hasn't really been the case this season. And I can't blame Mitchell for that. I think all of us were silly to believe, myself included, that Mitchell, a rookie, was going to be so impactful as a strong individual defender that it was going to help solve the Kings' team defensive issues. Like, the Kings are still a bad defensive team. It's certainly not because of Davion Mitchell. But... Davion, as good as he is defensively, also really hasn't been as impactful as maybe we were expecting him to. Maybe the steals number is not as high. I, just 
when I watch Davion Mitchell play, or actually not even that, when I watch a Kings game and I know Davion Mitchell is playing and I look at a box score, I see his numbers, I see the minutes he played, I went, oh yeah, Davion Mitchell was in the game. Oh yeah, Davion's part of this team. Like I kind of forget about it. And I, I think I've allowed myself to get used to and maybe sometimes take for granted the effort that Mitchell plays with on defense already. But also, Mitchell hasn't done anything to jump off the page and really capture my attention in a while. And I think a lot of Kings fans uh, feel the same way. I wasn't really impressed with the Cleveland Cavaliers, to be honest with you. I know they're 23 and 18. They're way playing above expectations. Darius Garland is having a phenomenal season, although he only had 12 points in this game. Both he and De'Aaron Fox, the two stars for each team, uh, really struggled. The bigs for Cleveland were really good. Evan Mobley had 17. Lowry Markinen had 15. And, and you know how I feel about Markinen if you've listened to Locked On Kings for a while. When Markinen was a bull, I can't tell you how many times I bothered the Locked On Bulls guys trying to figure out a hypothetical trade or realistic trade to get Markinen here to Sacramento. For what the Kings need, floor spacers, a stretch big, Markinen would have made a whole hell of a lot of sense here in Sacramento. And I still don't understand why Monty McNair and the Kings didn't try uh, to make an effort to sign him this offseason. Although I do know that there wasn't necessarily a ton of cap space uh, for the Kings to go out uh, and and really compete uh, for Markin, and especially with him being a restricted um, free agent. Jerry Allen played very, very well uh, also, and Kevin Love looked like his old self with 18 points off of the bench. Um, but watching this Cleveland team, like, I've seen, I've watched them play a couple times when they're not playing the Kings. I've seen highlights of them, and I've seen how exciting they've been so far this season, and, and I didn't get that sense from this group in this game tonight, especially against a team like Sacramento, who you are going to have more than uh, your fair share of opportunities, especially offensively, uh, to uh, have some highlights and to be exciting and to uh, make your mark. That being said, the Cleveland Cavaliers turn things around much quicker than I expected, maybe much quicker than the Cleveland Cavaliers and the fans in Cleveland expected. And... I know it's frustrating for Kings fans to accept the fact that that's another team that has turned themselves around and executed. Now, they haven't reached their end game. I can't call this a successful rebuild yet, but they've turned things around quickly in the time that it's taken the Sacramento Kings to not improve at all. And I'm not just talking about the last five years or 10 years or even 15 years. I'm talking about the last two, three years. This Kings team has been pretty much the same. They've been status quo, and I think they have a more talented roster than the Cavaliers do top to bottom. Well, maybe they did. Not anymore, but they did. And yet, Cleveland has has turned things around and leapfrogged them in the rebuild. I mean, so have the Memphis Grizzlies. There have been a ton of teams. There are a ton of teams that weren't playoff teams when the this Kings core that is currently here was assembled that have been or are playoff teams now. And I know that's very frustrating uh, for Kings fans to have to deal with, but hey, that list just gets longer and longer and it's probably going to get longer still. So don't be surprised about that. But I'm excited to see what this Cavaliers team does, uh, how far they go, and and if they're able to figure anything out and actually make a little bit of noise in the Eastern Conference, although there's no shot in hell in my mind that they have a chance of of making it to the Eastern Conference Finals, let alone the uh, the NBA Finals. 
Kings take on the Lakers on Wednesday. We'll talk about that very briefly. I have a great guest joining me on tomorrow's Locked On Kings podcast. And I'm going to be doing a podcast later on this week that I want to prepare you for that has to do with the Kings completely blowing it up and starting a long, hard rebuild. I'll talk about that uh, in just a second. But right now, I want to talk to you about betonline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new year and a happy new betting year as they continue to march towards the playoffs and beyond in the NBA. Uh, college football action going on right now. Maybe you put some money uh, on Georgia and Alabama. Uh, if you are into the NFL, NFL playoffs about to get going. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for all of 2022. And of course, it's not just NBA. It's not just NFL or NCAA football. There's hockey, there's boxing, there's UFC, your favorite Vegas casino games for you to play. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022 on Bet Online. And with this new year, when you do uh, sign up, you can use promo code Locked On to get a 50% welcome bonus. The way that works, you deposit $100, you get $50 free from Bet Online right there for you to make money with. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online where the game starts. Season high, five-game losing streak for the Sacramento Kings. I very much expect that to be six as the Kings welcome the Los Angeles Lakers into the Golden 1 Center for the second time on Wednesday. The first time, it was basically a, a home game for the Lakers. I expect the same thing. Although, the last time the Kings and Lakers played earlier on this season in Sacramento, it's the first time I've seen a significantly empty Golden 1 Center or significantly empty uh, Kings game period or Kings versus Lakers game period uh, in Sacramento. The Kings tonight, what was the announced attendance uh, for this game tonight? Announced attendance was 12,110. I think those numbers are significantly inflated. It didn't look like there were 10,000 people at the Golden 1 Center uh, for tonight's Kings and Cavaliers game. Although, of course, the Cavs aren't nearly as compelling as the Lakers are. I very much expect a heavy Lakers crowd on Wednesday. Don't know if that's going to have an effect on the game or not. I do know that the Kings want as many good players, including LeBron James and Anthony Davis and whoever, uh, as possible playing uh, for the Lakers in this game on Wednesday, because of course that will give the Kings their best chance to win based off of how they play against shorthanded teams. The last time the Lakers and Kings played in Sacramento, LeBron didn't play and the Lakers completely wiped the floor with the Kings. So they have a chance to uh, make up for that a little bit. Just played the Lakers a a hard-fought game that they fell short in L.A. Uh, recently. But before that, on tomorrow's Locked on Kings podcast, to get you through the off day, and maybe you're like me looking forward to the off day where we don't have to spend our evening watching this Kings basketball team, you can tune in still and hear my conversation, or at least my scheduled conversation, with Morgan Reagan, of course, from the Deuce and Mo podcast, color commentator for the Stockton Kings, and new uh, pre- and post-game television host for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, Morgan is going to join me on the Locked on Kings podcast for the first time in a while. Of course, we're going to talk about the frustrations of the season. Uh, we're going to talk about the Kings needing to make some moves one way or another. I'll ask her about the possibility of a rebuild versus swing for the fences moves. Uh, really excited to have her join me, so I hope you you will tune in for that. And I've heard a lot of fans and read a lot of fans on social media saying that they would prefer this team to just blow it up. Now, that has different definitions to different people. Some people mean blow it up as in trade De'Aaron Fox. Others mean blow it up as in keep Fox and Halliburton and trade everybody else. I am going to dedicate an episode this week, or at least it's the plan this week, 
to what if the Kings did decide to go that route? Monty McNair and the Kings decided, you know what? We are going to go really full tank this season, start a rebuild. We're going to look about look at what it would take for the Kings to properly execute a full, real, true rebuild that they haven't done at any point during this playoff drought and all the things that need to go right in order for that to be executed properly for the Kings. So that's coming up later on in the week. I hope you will join me for that. In the meantime, I want to hear if you think the Kings should be looking to blow things up and start a rebuild, or if you're more on the side of what I've talked a lot about here on Locked on Kings, which is look for a swing for the fences move, try and add a big name to this group for the most part in Sacramento. You're going to have to trade talent to get talent, so you can't just get a name and plug it into Fox and Halliburton more than likely. But are you more on that route of swing for the fences right now and and try and go for it now, um, or at least set yourself up to have a a good chance in the next couple of seasons, even if it means trading away uh, young players, exciting players, and draft picks to make that happen. So where are you with that? Be sure to reach out and let me know too. I can't wait to hear from you. Hope you will join me for my uh, conversation with Morgan Reagan tomorrow. I appreciate all your support, even if you're struggling to watch the Sacramento Kings. If you missed yesterday's podcast where I talked about how really unwatchable this Kings team is right now and how they're losing fans uh, by the dozens, by the hundreds, it seems, uh, based off of the look of the Golden One Center. If you missed that, my conversation on that, my thoughts on that, check out yesterday's podcast. Uh, and uh, I just continue to stick around, continue to support, even if it's hard. I know uh, we'll get through it together here. Uh, the Lockdown Kings podcast somehow continues to thrive, even if the team is not. And I'm very thankful for that. So thank you, thank you, thank you so, so much. Have yourselves a great night or great day, depending upon when you're listening. Uh, And I will talk to you soon. Until next time, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.